Today, in the Travel Guys. In the travel news, another meltdown for airline computers strands travelers last week. We have an update. Amtrak has a sale and travel cost declined in December. Details next. In our Smarter Traveler spot at 320, we'll spend some time talking about the TSA and their airport services, how you can sign up, and if you wanted to work for TSA, uh, how would you do that? It's January, and most sports fans are focused on football, except us baseball fans. At 335, I'll tell you about two very special baseball adventures. One that takes you to the takes us to the Field of Dreams and the Hall of Fame. The second brings you to spring training in Arizona. Our buddy Steve LaRosa joins us for the first half of a two-part narration of his journey up to northern California coast. Mendocino, Ferndale, and the Redwoods are all part of today's trip. Thanks for joining us. The Ark is floating by outside our window, perhaps the next trend in cruising. We are the Travel Guys. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano with you. Thanks for coming along. By the way, you can uh, follow along and get links to our special guests and lots more right there at TravelGuysRadio.com. Well, here we are on kind of a a damp uh, (laughs) damp Sunday again. Again. What did you say earlier, Mark? You said something about... uh, uh, that it was supposed to let up pretty soon and stop raining, and you yeah, you had some guy building an ark in your parking lot. Yeah, and he was still short a couple of animals. There. Yeah, he's kind of disappointed. He's short two elephants and a giraffe, and he hears it's going to stop raining. So you know, animals are not going to float by like they have for the last couple <laughs> of weeks. But uh, anyways, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I understand uh, you're uh, off to what could be some pretty nice weather, uh, off to Key West, what, next week? Yeah, the annual trip down to the Florida Keys with a three-night stay in Key West. So, yes, that will be that will be lots of fun. I will have a full report on the Travel Guys two weeks from now. Sounds good. Well, we got lots to cover today on the program, so not let's not uh, waste too much time. At the top of every Travel Guys radio show, we do our best to bring you up to date with the travel news. And with it, here's Mark. We talk from time to time on the program about rewards programs. You know, lots of us compile frequent flyer miles or have uh, frequent guest programs for hotels and the like. It even goes down as far as when you go to Starbucks or McDonald's. You've got, you know, rewards points and things. Well, Starbucks a couple weeks ago, as we mentioned on this program, changed their rewards program, kind of devalued it. Didn't kind of devalue it. They devalued it, period. Um, Dunkin' Donuts, which is bigger on the East Coast than it is here on the West, did the same thing. You would think that nobody would notice if a coffee company devalued their rewards program a little bit, that people would grow in a little bit and, and just move on. Not the case. Um, social media has exploded with people who are just 
pissed off at the fact that their favorite beverage that used to be free with X number of points is now X times 1.3 points. And um, all I can say is um, this is really this is a trend. Rewards points, uh, rewards programs are designed, originally were designed to try to reward a company's best customers. They have evolved into an information source, a way for a company to find out what your purchasing habits are, and also to entice you into various different offers, many of them being credit cards, not necessarily in the case of Starbucks, but certainly in the case of airlines and hotels, and getting you to chase after rewards by offering you bonuses and extra points and all kinds of things, only to find out that because the number of points that it takes to receive rewards from those programs is not fixed, it's floating. In some cases, Starbucks will just say, well, you know, we're redeeming too many rewards. We need to cut back on this, so we need to raise the number of rewards it takes to get certain products. Airlines can do that, and hotels do it very easily with this dynamic pricing. They just say, hey, if you want to come on Tuesday the 13th, it's 125,000 points or miles or whatever, and that's what you're stuck with. So it's really dangerous to get into a situation where you say, wow, I'm going to get this credit card, and I'm going to spend $5,000 in the first three months just so I can get this reward because that reward may not be worth what you thought it was when the time comes. So rewards programs are great. Um, if you stumble onto free things and stuff like that by your normal course of doing business with a company, that's terrific. But just remember, when it comes to big companies, the reward programs are always tilted in their favor, and the goalposts always move, and they never get closer to you. So just <laughs> something to keep in mind. Um, we had another meltdown in the skies last week. This one was with the FAA. It was, again, a software issue, kind of n not similar to what uh, Southwest experienced a couple of weeks earlier, but nonetheless something that took all the planes out of the sky for a few hours. Um, this was a software issue. Somebody had loaded an update. An employee loaded an update improperly, and it created a situation where the system had to come down. As sources told CNN that the software was 30 years old, would take at least six years to update properly. The source said that despite recent improvements, the system, quote, has the heart of an 89-year-old man. This is not encouraging um, because it's, our, it's the safety of all of us that's involved. It is good news, though, that they took the planes out of the sky for a few hours until they figured things out. So that was good news. But we are, it sounds like, our our aeronautics are being run our airplanes are being run in the sky on systems that are a bit outdated so it might be a good thing if we paid attention to that because i'm in those planes once in a while and i don't want to run into somebody else in the sky that's not wouldn't be good at all a cruise ship um off the coast of cuba Imagine being on a cruise ship, Tom, and having mm -hmm. the captain come over the PA system and say, you know, we're going to have to make a little detour here. We have spotted a boat in the water, and these folks are in distress, and we're going to go see if we can help them. And this is what happened with a cruise ship. Last week, um, the Celebrity Beyond is the name of the ship, and it stopped to pick up some Cuban migrants who were in a makeshift boat. And they had to go about an hour out of their way. Apparently, the captain noticed them on the horizon, and they went by and picked the folks up. Um, it was uh, two men and two women that had been in the boat. They had been in, at sea for 10 days, the last five days, without food. 
Um, I don't pretend to take a position on this one way or the other, but um, it must take an incredible amount of courage to launch a boat into the ocean made out of wood bits and styrofoam, is what the description is here, um, and hope for the best. You must be in a really bad situation, and you must have really a great need to be somewhere else to take that kind of risk. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah, amazing. Well, maybe the, the upside is when they got on the boat, they got front line in the buffet. There you go. Travel costs started to decline in December. Airfares were down 8.2% compared to the month before. They were up 28% for the year, so that's still a 20% increase. But it's a positive sign. And I will tell you at Sports Leisure Vacations, as we buy airfares for groups and the like, we are seeing the same thing. Airfares are slowly but surely starting to come down. They're coming down to the secondary and tertiary cities that don't have any big attractions. Uh, places like the Black Hills with Rapid City and stuff like that are still very high. But if you're flying to Pudunk, there's a pretty good chance that the fare has, has come down significantly over the last 30 days. Here is a news story that says Norwegian Cruise Line is reportedly cutting back on onboard entertainment. This doesn't surprise me. A lot of these cruise lines are in serious financial straits. And so it's about time that they started being a little bit more financially responsible. Norwegian is removing a production of kinky boots from one of its ships of effective January the 15th and will be cutting back on the number of Broadway shows that are being offered on board. The World Health Organization last Tuesday said they back mask wearing on flights as the new Omicron variant spreads. I see about a third of the people on airplane wearing those things. Hilton has a brand new brand. It's called Spark. We haven't seen it yet. It's a new premium economy lodging option. I don't see how you put those words next to each other, premium economy lodging option, intended to meet the needs of even more guests and owners seeking value, quality, and consistency. Gag me with a spoon. Hilton has a new uh, cheap brand of hotels, and I'm sure you'll see it soon. You can get two-for-one tickets to over 40 New York City attractions and events for a limited time. If you're going to New York between now and January 12th, go to TravelGuysRadio.com, and you will find the link. Southwest Airlines has been sued by their shareholders after the December debacle. And airline stocks fell last week after Delta reported weaker-than-expected guidance for uh, the next quarter. Airline stocks are a sucker's move, always have been. You would have thought if ever they were a good deal, it would be now, but that is not the case. And that, my friend, is your travel news for today. Our guest today is Lisa Farbstein. Lisa is with the TSA in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the Travel Guys, Lisa. Thank you. Before we went on the air, we were having a spirited baseball conversation. <laughs> Lisa is a, a big baseball fan. And I, I, Lisa, you, you mentioned that you were a fan of the Orioles. And one of the lasting baseball moments when I go to my grave will be the night that Cal Ripken broke um, the record for most consecutive right. games played. And that was a really, really – only baseball can have moments like that. Um, anyways, I, I can tell uh, you I was, I was there with my family. Oh, wow. Wow. That's just it's the, even the memories just kind of give me goosebumps. Anyhow, um, TSA, we wanted to talk a little bit about and uh, we have our own TSA guys here in Sacramento who come on the air with us once or twice a year and and talk about some, kind of some of the nuts and bolts. So I thought maybe we could take a little bit of a of a different approach. First of all, one thing we, we rarely talk about is for the average person who's listening here on the radio, what does it take to to become a part of TSA PreCheck? 
The TSA PreCheck is TSA's expedited screening program, uh, and members are allowed to keep on their shoes, their light outerwear jackets, they're allowed to leave on their belts, uh, and they can leave their liquids, gels, and aerosols and their electronics in their carry-on bag. So those checkpoint lanes go much, much quicker. And typically they uh, also are, the, the people who use those lanes typically are more frequent travelers, so they know the routine, and so there are fewer prohibited items that show up uh, in their carry-on bags and in their pockets and on their person. So those lanes go uh, much quicker. And we do encourage people, if they travel, to uh, enroll in TSA PreCheck. And to do so, the first step is to go on uh, the TSA website, tsa.gov, and you set up an appointment. And you set up an appointment, you fill in a little bit of personal information about yourself. It usually takes about five, six, maybe seven minutes to do that. You're making an appointment at uh, a TSA pre-check enrollment center that's uh, near where you live. And when you uh, show up for your appointment, and you have to show up in person because you have to provide a photograph. I mean, they'll take your photograph and your fingerprints. And what happens is the fingerprints are key because it allows TSA to do a background check on you. Uh, It costs $78. Uh, to enroll, and that uh, is good for five years. So it's all on the website as to what you have to bring. Now, once you uh, have that appointment and you uh, are, you know, attempting to enroll, you will receive typically in about five to seven or eight days, you will receive a known traveler number, and that's key. You're not going to get a little ID card or anything like that. You're going to get a known traveler number, and that's what you enter when you're booking your flights online or if you're having a travel agency uh, book that uh, flight for you. And on your boarding pass, whether your boarding pass is paper or electronic, it's going to indicate TSA PreCheck, and then you can go to one of those uh, lanes, those checkpoint lanes at your airport, or, you know, whichever airport you're flying uh, out of, and you will get that expedited screening treatment. Um, Lisa, let me let me ask you, who makes up the TSA workforce? Are there any particular qualifications? And give me some idea of of what the starting pay is. If somebody out there was listening to this interview and they were, you know, and they were looking for a job or they were thinking, gee, this might be something to get into, can you give me some idea of of where your workforce comes from and, and about what they're paid, at least on a, on a starting level? So uh, TSA uh, officers do not need uh, any previous security experience, no law enforcement experience, no military experience. Uh, when you uh, do apply for a job and if you're accepted to be a TSA officer, uh, then what happens is you are paid during your training period and you uh, attend some special training at the Federal Law Enforcement uh, Training Center. Uh, and then you go uh, from there back to your, I'll call it your home airport. The salary has to do with the locality pay of where it is you're working uh, based on market, uh, you know, the, just the, the market in that specific uh, city or town uh, where that airport is located. So there is a range uh, depending on uh, the city. And then there's locality pay. So you know, there are areas, obviously, in California, you, you mentioned Sacramento, uh, that uh, usually pay a little bit more because of the locality and the cost of living uh, in that region. Um, we are hiring both men and women pretty much nationwide. We're always hiring the workforce. We have a total workforce 
of screeners of about 45,000 people uh, nationwide and a workforce of about 60,000 people, including administrative types, such as myself, uh, again, uh, nationwide. So we do have lots of employees. There is significant, significant uh, opportunity to move up. Uh, and uh, we do see that the TSA officers are eligible for a salary increase after their first six months on the job, actually. Lisa, is if they go to the website at tsa.gov, is there, can they find a, a way there to how to join TSA? Yeah, the best way to do that is go to usajobs.gov uh, and then put in Transportation Security Administration, and you'll see the openings for both part-time and full-time positions nationwide. And so you can look for the state uh, or the city that you're most interested in. We will put a link to um, usajobs.gov and the TSA website at Travel Guys Radio. So for our listeners, if you um, if you're driving around or something like that, don't have a pen or pencil, why you can uh, you can visit us there. And Lisa, I would have to say that would be obviously a government job with all the government benefits and uh, pensions and all, all that goes with it. Indeed, we do. Uh, it is a, a great first uh, entree into the federal government. Uh, again, multiple opportunities to move up within TSA as well as to uh, perhaps uh, shift gears and, and start a new career in another federal agency. It, it really uh, offers uh, so much flexibility in that regard. And you can even move from one airport to another airport if you're looking to relocate. And uh, the benefits are outstanding, outstanding. Lisa, let me before I let you go here. Let's we, we've we've kind of talked about the nuts and bolts here. If somebody is is interested in in TSA PreCheck as a traveler or perhaps becoming employed there, um, recently we I, I saw an article and I've seen this more than once this year. Um, people are increasingly bringing loaded guns through TSA, but um, and we've talked about that a little bit. What are some of the things, that, the, the, the weird things, the strange things? Can you offer us any, um, any comedy or any guidance in terms of things that people bring through that they shouldn't or strangest, strangest story that you've heard recently, something like that? Probably the most common thing that we see people bringing to airport uh, checkpoints are oversized liquids, gels, and aerosols. So you're limited to 3.4 ounces when you're bringing liquids, gels, airport uh, to the uh, airport checkpoint. So you should not be bringing your energy drink or your soda or your coffee or your bottle of water. You know what, though? Bring an empty thermos, bring an empty bottle of water, and you can fill it up on the other side of the checkpoint, and you save yourself a few dollars. We also see people bringing lots of knives, 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 all types of knives of all types. Uh, but, you know, um, you know, all those sorts of things can probably go into your check bag. Now, under the weird category, uh, we recently uh, posted an Instagram account, uh, Instagram post, uh, and a, we tweeted about somebody who brought a four-foot boa constrictor in their carry-on bag. That was not allowed to get through the checkpoint because the airline uh, would not allow it to be uh, carried onto a plane. Mm -hmm. But we do every year uh, post a video with our TSA's top strangest catches of the year. And uh, we did that maybe about a week and a half, two weeks ago. And uh, that, uh, that was a very popular video, shall we say. So some of those sorts of things include guns, grenades. Uh, there was somebody who tried to sneak a gun on board their flight by putting it inside uh, a raw chicken. 
there was somebody who was, you're not allowed to bring gun parts or replica guns, and of course, real guns onto a plane, uh, and somebody uh, indeed had disassembled a gun and had the various firearm parts wrapped in plastic and jammed into two uh, jars of peanut butter, and the TSA officers are very good at catching uh, items that we call that uh, artfully concealed. Uh, there was somebody who had a couple of cattle prods inside of their guitar case. Uh, that was stopped. There was somebody who had a handgun that they had uh, tried to conceal inside of a PlayStation. And, you know, I will tell you, uh, an x-ray machine is a TSA officer's best friend. Uh, we have not uh, got the final figure yet, but in 2022, we know we will be setting a new record for a number of firearms caught at airport checkpoints across the country. Uh, we know that will be in the neighborhood of uh, probably more than 6,500 uh, firearms. Uh, and we expect to uh, have that final figure uh, released sometime in the very near future. Well, folks, all I can say is put your cattle prods in your checked luggage. That would be my wisdom after having talked to Lisa here. I mean, all that other stuff is pretty obvious, but if you you feel that you need to dra- travel with the cattle prods, you need to make sure that those are put into the checked bag. Um, Lisa, this has been kind of fun, especially the baseball conversation. Um, I will have my eye on the Orioles for next year. Thank you so much for uh, for your time. We will post some some links here at TravelGuysRadio.com. So if there's any part of this conversation you were interested in, you can find information there. Lisa, have a great afternoon. Thanks a lot. Looking forward to the new baseball season, just like you. Yeah, yeah, baseball season. Yeah, yeah. That's actually, after the news here, is what we are going to talk about a little bit, is the baseball season. Yeah, folks often say, Mark, why don't you talk a little bit more about the trips that you take? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, you know, it's trying to be a general interest radio show, but we do have two baseball trips this spring, and so I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about them. Excellent, excellent. And, of course, Mark is referencing uh, not himself personally, even though he does go on a lot of them. Uh, But uh, we're talking about sports leisure vacations who, uh, well, it's kind of almost where your your company started, Mark, taking people to sporting events when you were sports leisure travel. Yep. And uh, baseball trips, and one thing led to another, but but you've you've kept it there. Mark... uh, yeah, baseball season right around the corner. Yeah, know, not uh, soon enough. <laughs> not soon <laughs> enough. You're pretty excited. If I'm not mistaken, uh-huh. what was spring training like last year? I know the first couple of years, starting back yeah. in 2020, were were cancellations. In fact, you were there with a whole group of folks. When, we got uh, down there, and COVID literally broke out, and they decided not to have spring training we had literally arrived in phoenix and our game the first day got rained out and the next day we turned around and came home and then last year um we were all ready to go and if you remember the players had a hissy fit and they couldn't the players and owners couldn't work things out and so part of spring training the part that we had planned to attend got canceled so one of my favorite things to do in life is to go to Arizona for a few days every year and watch baseball games that don't count, um, that I paid a lot of money for a ticket for, and eat really good food and sit in the sunshine. And it's kind of a tradition, and I haven't gotten to do it for a few years. But this year, I am taking a small group of folks. There will be uh, 22 at the maximum. Right now we have four tickets left, which is part of the reason for this little uh, self-promotional thing today is that I'd like to sell those extra four seats. 
Um, we go down March the 9th and come back on the 13th. We stay four nights in a beautiful Marriott hotel that's just north of the airport. And the reason for that um, location is because it's kind of in the middle of everything. And as you go to spring training games, you're going to go to more than one field because there's not a game on the Giants field in Scottsdale every day because they play road games. So only about half the time will you have a home game. So you're, if you go down there, you're going to find yourself be bopping around to different ballparks that accommodate different teams. Many of the stadiums accommodate two teams, so they have games much more often. Uh, the Giants play in Scottsdale, where they are the only resident of that stadium. But anyway, we will see the Giants every day. We'll see the A's. Uh, well, I take that back. We'll see the Giants four days. See the A's a couple times, one of the games against the Giants in Scottsdale. Um, we go out to a couple of really fun dining things. We do Sunday brunch at the Wrigley Mansion, and that is pretty cool. It's uh, pro- Sunday brunch at the Wrigley Mansion is pretty close to a hundred bucks. So we're not all fancy people, but we like to go to fancy places, and so that's one thing we do. And we go to Rustler's Roost, which is a really popular steakhouse uh, in the greater Tempe area, and have dinner one night. We stay, as I mentioned, at this really nice Marriott Hotel. Um, Breakfast is included every morning. And we do a couple special things. I have some old baseball player connections down there in Phoenix, and we bring a special guest speaker in one evening to talk to us. Um, it's it's somebody different. All we had Gaylord Perry one year, uh, many years ago, cool. old Giants pitcher, yeah. who threw the spit who who threw a spitball. He just passed away here just recently, and Gaylord came in and told I, I will never forget one of the people asking him. Uh, so Gaylord, did you ever throw the spitball? And he said, Oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> as often as I thought I could get away with it. That was a great evening. Uh, Bob Guerin, who managed the A's. Uh, and played a little bit as a third catcher for the Yankees for a couple of years and is still uh, bouncing around baseball, um, was our guest one year. We've had a lot of really uh, – Greg Minton, old Giants relief, relief pitcher, came in one year and told us – he said uh, – he started his little talk. He said, do you know what the greatest sound is in baseball? And everybody was like, well, you know, the crack of the bat. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, what could you be talking about? He says, no, no, no. He says, no, no, that's not it. He said, the greatest sound that's ever made in baseball is a sound of oof. He said, because that's what happens when a fastball hits the, a Dodger in the ribs. That's the sound that you hear. <laughs> and, no um, kidding. So most of us were Giants fans, and he was kind of sort of mostly kidding, not completely. Um, but – Anyhow, it's just a fun time. We go down. We have a special guest speaker one night. We do a baseball roundtable where we kind of kick around some different thoughts and opinions about the the games, and we go out and watch a lot of baseball. There's nothing socially redeeming or world-altering about this trip. We just go down and spend five days in Arizona. If you'd like to go with us, we leave on the 9th of March. Uh, you can go to travel. You can go to travel guys. Wait a minute, travelguysradio.com, and there's a link there to the spring training trip and also to the other baseball trip, which I'm going to spend a minute on here, um, if you would like to go with us. The second trip is a little later in the spring after the regular season has started. Uh, We're leaving on the 26th of May to go back to Kansas City, which is the first stop of one, two, three, four, five stops on the trip. Why would you go to Kansas City on a special baseball trip? Well, because Kansas City is the home of the Negro Leagues Hall of Fame. And, of course, for many, many years, baseball was segregated, and black players had their own league, and white players had their own league. 
And some of the black players, of course, were very good ball players. And some of those teams are legendary. Some of those players are in the Hall of Fame. Some uh, may stayed around long enough to be able to play in the regular major leagues. Some did not. But it's a fascinating place to visit. And when we go to these uh, halls of fame, just as we will do with the one in Cooperstown, we have a special presentation and a special program just for our group. And uh, memorabilia is brought out that not the general public doesn't get to see on a regular basis, and we have a special little baseball talk. So that will be kind of cool. There's a special restaurant in Kansas City, an old barbecue place called Arthur Bryant's that you got to go to. If you if you go there, we're going to see a ball game in Kansas City. And then we're going to get on a motor coach and take a five-hour trip because it's easier to do it by bus than it is by plane um, to Dyersville, Iowa, which is a little tiny, tiny hamlet uh, about 30 minutes west of Dubuque, Iowa, which isn't all that much bigger. But Dyersville is where? The Field of Dreams is located, and that's where the the movie was filmed um, with Kevin Costner and the like, and the field is still there. It's becoming part of a bigger complex now. You know, they've had a Major League Baseball game there a couple of times, and that's going to happen on a regular basis every year, and they're going to build uh, a bunch more fields and make it a, a, a baseball a place where baseball is played all year round and on lots and lots of fields, but that original Field of Dreams site is still there. From there, we head into Chicago for a game at Wrigley Field, which is always a treat, uh, being able to go to a ball game at Wrigley Field. Then we'll hop on an airplane and fly to Albany, New York. And for our next stop, about an hour from Albany is Cooperstown, which is, um, for baseball fans, is about like going to Mecca. You know, it's it's like going to a really special place, to the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. And there's a hotel in Cooperstown that is really, really special. It's not inexpensive. It's called the Otisaga. It's where the Hall of Famers stay for the induction ceremonies every year. Aren't too many hotels in Cooperstown proper. The folks there have done a great job of keeping chain hotels and restaurants and the like out of their community so just outside of the community you'll find the best western and the like but the otisaga is where we stay for a couple nights and go over to cooperstown to the hall of fame and spend as much time there as you want and once again um, we have a special presentation where they will bring all kinds of cool giants and a's memorabilia out that isn't on display and tell us the stories behind them so that's one of the highlights of the whole year, if you're a baseball fan, uh, when you're on the sports leisure trip to Cooperstown. And then from there, we drop down to New York City. On the way, we stop at a cemetery uh, in Hawthorne, New York, which is where Babe Ruth is buried, along with Billy Martin and a number of other baseball celebrities. So we will stop and uh, pay respects to them. And then head on into New York City. We'll hit up Yankee Stadium. Uh, there's a new Jackie Robinson Museum in New York. We're going to stay a couple nights in Times Square so folks can go to a theater show if they want to um, or just go out to Yankee Stadium and take the tour and be able to see all. We're going to do a tour around town in New York City and take folks to where Ebbets Field was and where the polo grounds were and so all of those great baseball landmarks all over town. So that's uh the Field of Fields of Dreams tour, it goes the last week of May. It's not inexpensive. It's over $4,000. It's nine days because um, we're staying in a couple of really nice hotels, Times Square and the Otisaga in Cooperstown. So if you would like to join us, we have four seats available. You can go to TravelGuysRadio.com 
and see uh, the, the full description of that and the spring training trip. And if you are inclined to join us, we would really like to have you. It's our our baseball trips are really quite special. We have a lot of really nice people that go. Oh, one thing I left out on the on the New York City trip uh, before we get on the plane in Newark to come home, we're going to the Yogi Berra Museum and in Montclair. It won't happen this time because Yogi's no longer with us. But there was a time many years ago where we went there, and Yogi showed up as a special guest and came and talked to all of our. Uh, our folks, something that uh, I will never, ever, ever forget, because Yogi Berra is exactly the character that you thought he was. Anyways, a little bit about a couple of baseball trips from Sports Leisure Vacations. You can tell by the what's going on theme in the background, it's time to bring Steve LaRosa on to uh, find out where he's been and what's going on and make you a smarter traveler when you head, in this particular case, up the North Coast. Welcome back to the Travel Guys, Steve. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Mark. Uh, great to be back. Yeah, I just did get back from a, uh, a six-day trip up the North Coast. It was a lot of fun. It was a great trip. Tell folks, Steve, that you made this trip pre before the Great Floods, because some of these communities that you visited have been uh, perhaps impacted a little bit. But, of course, um, we're suggesting that these might be destinations that you'll want to go see once everything dries out because you've got some really spectacular stuff here. You headed up the North Coast, Steve. Why don't you, uh, why don't you start out and, and take us on your journey? Well, day one uh, was a pretty much a straight shot over to uh, Highway 1, and we went to a place I've been to before. I just love it. It's called the St. Oars Inn, which is, like I said, on Highway 1, just north of Gualala, if you know where that is. It's a visual extravaganza. How do I describe it? It was once a dilapidated fishing lodge, and uh, they transformed the main structure, and they now have a main structure and a campus with a number of cottages right out of the scene from Dr. Zhivago. Uh, because why I say that, they have these onion-domed capped roofs and Russian-inspired architecture, which uh, I guess was influenced by the Russian settlers from uh, days gone by up there and the Fort Bragg area. Mark, I'm sure you've been up in that area. And, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, been... the, 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 the tunnel uh, collapsed that the skunk train used to do use coming out of Fort Bragg, which it was a, an annual trip to go up and ride the skunk train from Fort Bragg to Willits, but the skunk train doesn't travel from Fort Bragg to Willits anymore. So I confess to you, I haven't been up to Fort Bragg for probably seven or eight years. I don't know if you've ever seen the, the St. Oars. It's a stone throw from Highway 1, and I guess... Uh, it was about, about 50 years ago. Three friends basically scavenged the area and found scrap timber and copper and other materials, and they repurposed the whole place and created the St. Ors. The architecture is just stunning. I've never seen anything quite like it. They have a restaurant there that has a great reputation, top-notch dining experience, with a, a regularly changing menu. And just a, an example, they have items like venison pate country style with pistachios and blackberry jam or wild mushroom ravioli and it was really good it's a campus and they have all these cottages and each one has a distinct floor plan and exterior design and again they carry over a lot of that russian architecture and I've never seen this before. They actually deliver to all these cottages a huge, outstanding breakfast, which is served in the room. Give you an example. 
frittata, zucchini bread, granola, berries, OJ, coffee. I mean, I've never seen a, a in-the-room in breakfast like this before. I give it my highest recommendation. It's a great getaway. Okay, day two. Day two uh, was the drive to Mendocino and Fort Bragg. So on our way to Fort Bragg, we walked around downtown Mendocino, of course, you know, browsed the galleries and boutiques. For those outdoorsy types, there are miles of hiking trails just out of the town above the cliffs in Mendocino Headland State Park. In Fort Bragg, we stayed at the famous Beachcomber Motel, which is a short walk to the beach. And right there outside the hotel, there's hiking and biking trails. And we had an upstairs room which had a deck, and all the upstairs rooms had decks with a great view of the ocean. And the ocean is just maybe 150 yards from the uh, motel. Like Mendocino, when we got to uh, Fort Bragg, we did stroll downtown, a lot of restaurants, shops. But we made a quick jaunt to the um, Mendocino Coast Botanical Gardens, which is just a few miles south of Fort Bragg. And I wrote in my notes, while the begonias and perennials were in peak bloom, the stars of the show were the flowers in the Dahlia Garden. Um, if, you're, if you're a garden person, even if you're not a garden person, um, in the summertime there are, are absolutely really spectacular. We're talking with Steve LaRosa, who is recapping a trip. He's telling us what's going on on the California coast. As we went up, we've passed through Fort Bragg and Mendocino, and we're on our way to Ferndale on day three, which includes a visit to the Avenue of the Giants, um, which is a winding part of Highway 101 that goes through the Redwoods. I have to tell you, Steve, when we take our groups up there, we have a step-on guide who joins us and who is so in love with those trees up there, it's just, it's absolutely fascinating to listen to it. He literally gets off the bus and starts hugging trees, which is kind of fascinating. Did you hug any trees on your way up to the Avenue of the Giants? Uh, I, well, I, I, in, a, in a sense I did when I was measuring the width. But I got to tell you, you get a crick in your neck because you're always look, looking up at these things. They're amazing this is one of my favorite parts of the trip, and I'm glad you have the same enthusiasm I did. As you well know, Mark, there is the famous Founders Grove, and it, it, it's just a, a short turnoff from uh, from the road. And you, you, when you take the trail loop, where you're going to run straight into the Founders Tree, and what's amazing about this thing is it held held the title as the world's tallest tree. Sadly, till it lost its top in a storm in 1957. It's 13 feet across, okay? And get this, it was 346 feet tall, which if you think about it, it's a football field with a couple of the end zones added on. There can't be too many living things on the planet that are more majestic than redwood trees. And we're lucky here in California because they have the coastal redwoods up north and the sequoia redwoods down south, which, uh, while related, are, are two different-looking types of trees. But, man, they are spectacular. I saw in your notes, Steve, where you said uh, standing among those ancient redwood trees was like being in church. Yeah, it's so it's so quiet and peaceful. It's just inspiring. A, a funny little anecdote. Apparently, at the end of the trail loop in the grove, the magnificent Dyerville Giant, now larger than the 346 founder tree, at 362, 
This was once considered the tallest tree in the park before it fell in 1991. And the funny part is this giant redwoods crashed to the ground, moved the earth so much that it registered on a nearby seismograph. And one local who heard the impact from half a mile away thought a train had crashed. I love that part of it. So we're about halfway through our journey now. Steve, you'll be back next week really briefly. Um, Give us a couple of tidbits out of the second half of your journey that we're going to talk about on next week's program. The picturesque, charming village of Ferndale and some of the incredible uh, Victorian architecture we found there and in the Victorian Inn where we ended up staying. And then, of course, we went up to Eureka and we were able to... It's a fun little story how we got inside the Carson Mansion. That's right. I said it, the Carson Mansion. I'm sure you guys have seen or, you know, been there or seen pictures of this place. Um, It's spectacular, and it's not open to the public. And I will reveal how we got inside the Carson Mansion. That's next week on another episode of What's Going On with Steve LaRosa. We are the Travel Guys. We'll be back with more to make you a smarter traveler shortly. Stick around. Yes, sir. Our good buddy Steve LaRosa asked the first part of his journey. His second part will take us further on up the coast. Hey, there was something I forgot to mention, Thomas. When we were doing the news thing, in the headlines I said that Amtrak was having a sale. Now, this is what happens when you're throwing things together and you don't pay close attention. The sale that Amtrak is having is midweek. It's in the state of New York. So unless you're traveling to New York in January or February and you're going to ride Amtrak in the middle of the week, this wouldn't apply to you. So if you're wondering why I mentioned Amtrak's having a sale and never said anything more about it was because midway (laughs) through the newscast, I realized I'd blown it. So uh, it gives me a chance to come back and do a make good here right at the end of the program. (laughs) So anyway, that was not quite as relevant as I thought. Yeah, well, his news is still having a sale. It's just not locally. <laughs> yeah, just just not just not. In order to save forty bucks, you got to go all the way to uh, to New York State. You know, we have a minute here at the end of the program. It would be nice to say uh, a thank you to all the folks who do things every week to make this show go on the air, like our good friends Caitlin and uh, Luis and the, and uh, uh, Sarah who happens to have a, a relationship to the Romano family. Um, yes. <laughs> who works every week to make our get our website up to date and post all of our links and all that kind of stuff. This doesn't happen by accident every week. It's a lot of work, and a lot of people contribute to it, including yourself, Mr. Romano, making yourself available for interviews and things like that, that we can so we can do them during the week and get the people that we want to do. So thank you to all of those folks who take the time to make our show a success. Absolutely, and uh, thank you, Mark, for uh, for the for the thanks, and for those that uh, may not be aware, Mark spends the more time than anybody uh, preparing the news and all of the different features and lining up the the interviews and such. So uh, it it would never happen without Mark and Sports Leisure uh, Vacations. Once again, don't forget now. Mark talked about his baseball trips uh, earlier, and if that's something, there's like four seats on each one of those trips. Uh, so check it out at TravelGuysRadio.com, and uh, what can I say? Go Giants! Yeah, go Giants! Go 49ers! 
Dance you like bet. nobody's watching. We'll see you here next week at 3 o'clock right here on The Travel Guys.